0: Praise God. (laughs) Amen. Um, So we're going to continue with uh, uh, failure is not an option, right? Failure is never, it's never on the table, so to speak. It's never in the dealings of God. I know because when people set out in life, nobody makes up their mind. They want to start out to fail. Everybody has great hopes, great expectations. And I believe those ideas for good things to come into your life come from God. Because they come so freely to us. You know, they're not taught to us. They're not uh, um, in any way communicated to us. Uh, You know, when you talk to little children... They all want to be people that they admire, you know i I want to be a doctor, a lawyer, policeman, fireman. I want to be a soldier. They uh, you know want to be or a teacher. They want to be great things or things where they can see, they feel good about it, and they have a sense of accomplishment. And I believe that is God's success model that was spoken to Adam and Eve when he, Put them in the garden. There's a success model in the soul of every human being. It says, be fruitful, multiply, increase, replenish. Let the earth know you're here. Let the earth feel your presence and your power. Uh, You know, make your mark here on this earth. You are important. It's part of God's image. He makes his mark on the earth. He has dominion. He has uh, (coughs) dominion. Uh, ability, uh, He has a sense of accomplishment within him. So he can only impart to us what's within him. When we come into covenant with God, we have assurances that that's imparted to us. We have assurances that his will for us is to increase. We have assurances. That his uh, desire for us is nothing but good. Even when God placed restrictions on people, it was to do them good. He said that in his word. He says, I, I'm, I'm here only to do you good all the days of your life. You know, he's not going to start out doing you good. And they say, you know what? I changed my mind about him. I'm going to start doing him bad now. You know, <laughs> it's never in God's mind. Even though we may feel we deserve it from time to time. But that's just a fear. It comes from the enemy. And if we will allow ourselves to repent and get back over into the mind of the spirit and into the mind of faith. And you know, make sure our relationship with God is one of obedience and worship and submission. Things like that. Then we can find ourselves right back into the success mode. A success pattern in our thinking. Where we will begin to formulate ideas that lead only to success and failure then gets to be a very remote, almost impossible impossibility to us. In fact, there are many times where we will find that we're, things aren't working out for us. But if we stay in the mind of Christ, we have another idea. We have another plan. We have another way. We have another uh, um, a note of encouragement on the inside of us. We we begin to be self-encouragers then. And we can pull ideas from the mind of the spirit to help us to formulate successful plans again. So we're never out of the race as far as God is concerned. And if we'll diligently listen to his voice and listen to his words and be attentive to his words that success model will be all that is ever in us we won't have any kind of ideas of failures or we can't do this or this won't work out for us or what's going to happen if or you know oh i i can i can see that might work but what if we we don't entertain <coughs> those kinds of ideas and it's not wishful thinking and it's not keeping a happy thought and it's not but it it's the the mind of the spirit of Christ in us you know it's a mind of Christ dwelling in us and, and he gave us that to draw from in times of difficulty and trouble so that we can be encouraged that we can still have success we can be encouraged that it will still work for us we can be encouraged that all the things that we plan will succeed and not fail. Many times the enemy sets us up, sometimes from a, a young age, with ideas of failure. You know, if, if we have failure around us in a large quantity, it just seems like that's all we ever see is failure. And then it becomes a struggle and a challenge for us. To think successful or to even desire something or think our efforts will pay off, you know. You ever get an idea and you don't move on it because you talk yourself out of it before you even get started on it. And so this is something that's common to the the carnal nature, the fallen nature. That's why God invites us to renew our minds in the word. He knows that that mind is going to be there to kind of tell us that. You know, we, we can't do it or we put it off forever. Sometimes procrastination becomes our, our crutch. You know, we can tell ourselves it's not time yet and we've got plenty of time and that'll come and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, it's it's all a, a cover up for that that. Mentality that tells us that failure is is right before us, and so God comes and and He replaces that with hope. You know, uh, hope is a great thing. It don't ever play it cheap. Yes. Because hope will keep us alive, you know. Uh, You know the old saying, keep hope alive, hope keeps us alive. You got me? (laughs) So, uh, you know, you don't have to do anything with hope except embrace it and allow hope to work its work to encourage you and to remove fear out of the way. So we're talking about fear being the major uh, obstacle to success. Fear is a spirit that God didn't impart to us. He gave us worship. But in order to combat fear, we need a tool. And so we find that tool and gave it last week, we find it again. Second uh, Timothy one seven. Wait a minute, that's not the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts in 1 7 where Paul tells Timothy to stir up the gift that's in him by the laying on of his hands and to get up and start doing what you know to do, Timothy. Come on, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but He gave you a spirit that has three components to combat fear. We started talking about it last time. Number one is power, number two is love, and number three is a sound mind. We need all three. Sometimes people run off with power and think they can conquer the world. Why why is it we always think we it's so simple when we get God? You know, I only need one thing. I need the anointing. You know, most people don't know what the anointing is if it, you know <laughs> walked up to the front door and said, Hello, I'm the anointing It would not recognize it and so we can't diagnose our own remedy we have to believe for God's remedy and so he first gives us power talks about the power that he gives us we talked about that last time Uh, just in review Jesus came to the disciples and said all power Is given unto me in heaven and earth, and I give you power. So, our power is legitimately delegated to us from the Lord. It's His power. So, that's what put you on Easy Street. The fact that it's not yours, it's His. And you don't have to rely on you and your strength and your great wisdom and your uh, your uh, certificates that you got when you were in school and all that kind of stuff. You can rely on His power. That's what you're going to need to get through. Now, we can impress worldly people with, with small things. But number one, you don't impress God. Number two, you can't beat the devil with that. Your intellect is no match for the devil's wiles. Even when uh, the man and the woman were in the garden before iniquity beset them. They were uh, no match for the devil and his wiles. Even though they had the pure mind of God and were in contact with God at all times. So the devil is very subtle and that lets you know that spiritual weapons are in a different class than carnal weapons. So you gotta get on a spiritual level to get success in this warfare. You can't do it trying to figure out what to do. You have to trust God to give you the wisdom, give you the understanding, give you the ideas, give you all of that. You have to trust him. So when we talk about the fact that God has given us all of these things. He's given us his power. He's given us love and a sound mind. Jesus allowed the disciples to prove to themselves that there was power in their lives. Because he sent them out to preach the gospel or the gospel of the kingdom. Really sent them out to demonstrate the kingdom. You know uh, That was something that that needed because people had expected the Messiah to come. There was hope and expectation for him to be there, but everybody kind of had their own idea about what he was going to do when he got there. And so they had to demonstrate exactly what God was talking about when he talked about the Messiah coming as the answer to all of their uh, woes. And he was Israel's hope and he was uh, the one that would uh, lead them into. To a new manner of living. And so nobody thought it would be a spiritual kingdom. They all thought it would be a natural one. So Jesus allows them to demonstrate the kingdom through their own preaching. Through their own ministry. And they get so excited. They said, "Ooh, ooh, even the devils are subject to us in your name. And he told them not to get excited about the power. You got me? Don't get excited about the power. He said, that devil, he said, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. He's not a big deal. He said, but rather marvel at the fact that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, it's not what I can do through you, but what I do for you that's very important. Number one, you've got to have Christ working in your life. That's number one with God. That's number one with us. Christ must be working in your life, period. That's top of the line. He wants that for everybody. So, in your dealings with people, He wants you to make sure that they have a relationship with Him. We're to introduce people to the Lord. And the fact that the devils have to move out of your way is kind of secondary. You know, that's like a given. And I think people get too excited about these things and, and don't keep them in the order Jesus wants them to be in. So the reason the devils are subject to you is so that you can, people can be free to make the decision to serve God. It's not so that you can feel like a great thing because you cast out a devil. It's so that people can get free so that they can serve God. And their names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life just like yours. And so, But as much as we've been warned about that, it, time after time people get so excited about devils and knowing their names and all this stuff and calling them out and you know all this kind of nonsense. So we really have to be careful to keep it in person. Perspective. the ability to the power is a tool for us to be able to do ministry it's a tool for us to help ourselves and help other people the power is, is part of our spiritual equipment but it's not the thing you got me it's not the thing relationship it's part of what the thing is it's a necessary tool and so we have to keep it in perspective Second Corinthians 10 4 tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal you won't you won't get anywhere striving and arguing with people now as much as you think you will you won't and I think sometimes the enemy uh, will keep us striving to no end just as a a way to distract us and weaken us from the way God wants us to live you know strife is is a weakening it weakens your spiritual, your spiritual uh, attentiveness. You know if you're used to having to have the last word. And, and you got to have something to say back to everybody. And you know you can't just shut your mouth and humble yourself. And let people go off and be stupid if they want to. If you just have to you know have to always have something to say. Defend yourself. Tell them off. Whatever whatever you know. It, it's, it weakens you spiritually. And sometimes the enemy will put people in your life to do that. See if you'll strive with them. God uses the same people to help you to overcome your fleshly tendencies to want to, you know, be the top dog all the time. You know, there's there's no prize for winning an argument. It's a vain thing. You know, the vanity of having the last word. Jesus has the last word. If you'll keep your peace and hold your peace, he will always have the last word. So we don't have to strive in the flesh. That's a weak way to fight. Weapons God gives us are mighty through Him to the pulling down of strongholds. So carnality shows weakness, spirituality shows strength, or or work, working with God's Holy Spirit shows strength. So you'll get more done with a prayer and a, a, a spiritual rebuke of the devil in your prayer closet than you'll ever get striving with a human being trying to have the last word and so God gives us the ability with this power comes restraint so that we can use the power in the correct way there has to be an element of self-control and with that self-control must come a confidence that you're not being walked all over And made to look stupid and disrespected. You know the stuff the devil pulls on us to get us to jump out in the flesh. He'll try and make it seem like nobody listens to you. Nobody respects you. You know, keep hammering at your brain. Look at them. They don't do that. You got me? And he'll get you over in the flesh dealing with things. Instead of stay, hold your peace, stay in the spirit, rebuke him, rebuke his taunts, and let your spirit man rise up in confidence knowing that you can get God's work done. Winning an argument has little to do with accomplishing spiritual things. You got me? You have to stay on the track of what does God have me doing? What am I supposed to be doing with my time? And let me spend my time doing that instead of trying to rebuke everything and everybody. And so if we'll stay in that place. There's a confidence, a quiet assurance that comes in God that lets you know that the spiritual forces are working for you. God has a vision before you of something he wants you to accomplish and you will get the job done. And this bickering is merely a distraction of the bigger picture and the bigger job that God wants to get done in us. So anyway, in Joshua, we t- we uh, talked a little bit about God's instructions to us in the book of Joshua. Joshua was able to understand God's care. And his protection and his weapons for them. And so in Joshua 1.8 that's where we get our instructions for fighting in the battles that God has us engaged in. Now there's always a payoff for us in this warfare. We're not just soldiers that get signed up and fight for something that we have no stake and no interest in. There's always something that to be gained for us in these battles so in the with the nation of Israel it was to conquer land that God had given them and drive off the inhabitants of the land and so this was always a a mandate for them uh whatever land they got it was never uninhabited the only land that they had didn't have people on it was desert land and nobody wanted it but all the good stuff was already taken and so God said but I've given this to you and you're going to go in there and drive the people on there that are off. But don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you at all times. So in Joshua 1, he says, every place, verse 3, every place your soul, or your foot tread, I've given it to you. Not There's no man that will be able to stand before you, in verse 5. But verse 6 says, but be strong and of good courage. So this is the mandate, the instruction, the warning Be strong and not weak. In other words, obey my instructions. Stay in the spirit and don't try to fight this in the flesh. Don't start multiplying horses, chariots, counting people. These are all indications that you want, you think it's a fleshly fight. But he says, be be strong and of good courage. I'll be with you. Nobody will be able to stand before you. And he says, your preparation for this, for your prosperity, says, you know, if you, if you do what I tell you, don't turn from the left to the right. Don't get any bright, bright ideas. Don't let anybody distract you with, with fleshly combat, etc., etc. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, you can't speak anything but my word when you get in this battle. Underline it, highlight it, and write it down. Don't let this law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. That's how you keep it in your mouth is through meditation. You can't sit up and listen to the devil and let him put fear in you. And let him start manifesting fear around you and get engaged in that and think you're going to get success in the battles that God has before you. He says if you do that day and night, you'll observe and do everything that's written in it. There's your success. It's not so much what you do when you get in front of the enemy. It's what you do in your personal time that makes all the difference in the world. Meditating day and night. Renewing your mind in the word. Don't let the word depart out of your mouth. That's your victory right there. So that by the time you confront the enemy, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. All you got to do is obey God throughout the situation. But it's a done deal. Many times we we don't prepare ourselves enough and we get before the enemy. And we still have too much fear to believe that God will come through for us. So this preparation beforehand is essential. In fact, that is the battle right there. If you can conquer your negative thinking, carnal thinking, thinking that God won't do it. And it's all is lost and it's never going to happen. If you can conquer all of that before you even have to confront the enemy... Then you'll be able to make it through on these things. What do I mean when I say confronting the enemy? Well, confronting the enemy of loss, lack, poverty. When you go to apply for a job, do you have confidence that God has put you there? He's given you that particular job. If you don't get it, then what do you do? You go away for three months until the urge hits you again to jump out there impatiently wanting something. And so we have to maintain our spiritual composure and our spiritual position. For instance, if the first time you apply for a job, they pick somebody else. What do you do? What do you say to yourself? How do you process that news? What do you think to yourself? Well, you need to think that God has still promised me success. God, this wasn't my job. This wasn't for me. But I thank you for the opportunity to show you my faith so that my faith can be stronger the next application I put out which is this afternoon see the sooner you get back up on the horse after he throws you the less opportunity you get to have fear come in and you start incorporating fear into your thinking you don't process it with the spirit of fear you want to process this with faith and confidence if you believe that one job was yours you can believe the next one's yours and the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one one. Some people will tell you in certain types of work, they'll say, well, you know, you get a lot of rejections in this type of business. They prepare themselves for the expectation and the alternative that if the first one doesn't work, they expect the next one will, and the next one will, and the next one will. There was a gentleman that, um, geez, I forget the name of his book. It's, It's called Ten Things... Uh, whoever this guy is taught me, and it's written by a young lady that that was an assistant to this man. He sold uh, what are those products? What what did you your family ever do the Watkins products thing? Your parents ever buy that? They sold uh, brushes, spices, flavorings, all that kind of stuff. What was a door to door? It was a door to door thing. This guy was the top seller in that business, but he was born with cerebral palsy and his mother had to help him get dressed every year that he but he said his attitude was he dressed very very nicely, he got his bus schedule out, he took all the buses he needed to take to get to the areas where he worked, there were some of his customers that said I slammed the door in that guy's face so many times and he said I never took it personally he said I always knew that eventually I would win and I would gain them as a friend and a customer and he was their top seller for years and he uh, they honored him at one of the banquets for that company and he hired this young girl because he could go and sell that was his strength but he needed somebody make delivery somebody had a car and so she was his uh, delivery girl but she was also he also mentored her in success thinking and so she wrote the book and tells a story. And she would go around with him to all his speaking engagements and she would help him tell a story and share uh, what great success he had. But his came because of his ability to always believe success was imminent. He knew if he didn't get it the first time, it would be the next one and the one after that. And he built a very, very comfortable living. I know he's living off royalties from speaking engagements now. Even when they wrote the book and he started going around touring and speaking and got in demand, he still had his customers that he sold his products to. When his mother passed away, one of his stops uh, where he would exchange buses on his route, there was a hotel right in that area. And uh, the, the doorman at the hotel knew him because he'd come by for so many years. Well, he said the one thing he would, was never really good at was tying his tie. So he would put his tie in his pocket one of the doormen would tie his tie for him so he could through his thing. He always had a way to succeed. And success was his goal, not the process in getting there. Because I think if we focus on process, we'll lose heart. Yeah, that's true. You just sit there and you start feeling sorry for yourself. Well, I haven't been able to do this, and I haven't been able to do this, and I haven't been able to, and it's been so long. And I don't know if God still wants me to do it, and I don't know if I'm supposed to do it, and I don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. mm. Have a little cheese with that violin music, huh? For sure, because that's that's how we process things many times. And it's a mentality of failure that we process our activities through and we come out with an answer of it's not going to work. That's what usually happens. And so what we need to do is stay in the mind that God gave us. Power, love, a sound mind, courage, confidence, all of those things we need to, to make it through, come through victorious, and never quit and never give up. So the power belongs to God. And so the next component of what he gave us was love. Man. Love really means that we obey God in all things. Selfishness really is a, a good opposite of love. Love gives. Love honors. Love obeys. Love does all of those things. And if you can't give of yourself, then love, your, your ability to love will be very limited. Your love will be selective. You'll love people that treat you well. And you you won't make any attempts to win over people who don't treat you well. You got me. I remember when we started the ministry. You get all kinds of people coming in. Everybody comes in, and tells you God sent them here, and you know, and then they leave in two weeks. God sent them elsewhere. You know, and you just look at that and you think, well, you know, God, you told me we had to work with everybody who comes, and that was my uh, <laughs> that was what I had to tell myself continually. I didn't have the ability to pick and choose like many people do. You know, you go to many churches, they won't look at you twice because you don't look like the kind of people they want to have around them. You got me? Sometimes if your manners are a little rough, people don't want to work with you and love you and let you make your mistakes and correct you and keep you going. They want just to distance themselves from you. And hopefully you'll just find a place in a corner somewhere and you'll stay there for 20 years and give them your money and so your name can be on the roll. And so when you get involved in the things of God, you have to obey what he tells you to do. You have to work with everybody that comes. You have to allow people to use their abilities for God because that's what he put them here for. And so as we obey God, then we, we have to love impartially. You can't have favorites. You can't have people that, you know, you, uh, they're above suspicion. You know, kind of thing, and some people you suspect all the time. You have to really, uh, really work at this and and allow God to help you to keep short accounts, uh, keep yourself in a place where you can work with people no matter what, uh, you know, and, and help them to live in the Spirit themselves. You know, sometimes people just don't want to be in the Spirit today. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to give them space to let God find them somewhere. You know, (laughs) being nutty and, and bring them into where they're supposed to be. You understand me? And so that's what love will do. It will help you to embrace people without partiality, believe the best for everybody all at the same time, and to work toward a common goal that God has for you. See, the important thing is the work. I think for some people, what's important varies, you know. Uh, Sometimes what's important is how they treat me. You know, Everybody comes in with that little chip on their shoulder and they're sensitive to how how they're treated. Did somebody say hi? Didn't they say hi? All of that stuff. And so the best thing to do to get over that is just plant yourself and you start obeying God. Quit judging how other people respond to you so much. You keep yourself focused on what's important. God sent me here to learn. God sent me here. It's not a popularity contest. This has nothing to do with anything. I am here to learn God's ways. And stay focused on that. And you won't deviate very far. That that one little truth will hold you in into uh, the place that God wants you to be in. And if you keep yourself open to learning, you keep yourself open to growing, you keep yourself open to working for God, ministering to people, that kind of stuff. The other stuff is so far away from you. The other stuff really doesn't matter matter. After a while you don't even think and you'll look back and say, I can't believe I spent all that time wondering how people what they thought about me and if they liked me and all this kind of stuff. I can't believe I wasted my time like that. You understand me? And so when you when you pick up love and you embrace love, you understand that you love gives. You give and receive. You don't take People who are involved in self want to take. They don't trust the give and receive aspect of God's kingdom. See, if you're in God's kingdom, what you what you release from your heart and your spirit and your voice and your mind grows and it comes back to you. It's like a tree growing on the inside of you and you receive from that all the time. I'd much rather serve God and be content. Than to be worried about me all the time. And and not give. Shut down so you don't have to give. You don't have to give a kind word. You don't have to give a hug. You don't have to give anything. You keep it all to yourself. I'd rather give and trust God. Have an understanding of knowing that if you make that what you consider a sacrifice. God considers it normal. It's a sacrifice to us but it's normal to God. And so God receives it anyway. But I'd rather step out and do that and trust that there are good things coming back to me rather than stay shut down and never know. See, you shut down, you never know. And many people shut down and move on because they don't trust God. They don't trust that if they just let that go and embrace what God has for them and learn how to give without stopping and without thinking about them. Then God will come and he will always have abundance for them. Always. Always have abundance for them. He'll make the hard places in your life easier. If you have something in your giving bank. You know something stored up that you've given. and, And when your times are tough he'll make it easy for you. So you'll barely notice that you're going through the fire because he's just made a way for you to stay encouraged. He'll have encouragement come to you out of nowhere. He'll have answers come to you out of nowhere because he you have something banked up already. He's seen you as a person who embraces his love and freely gives it out. He freely forgives so that you're not... You know, shut down and, and holding back because you're mad at somebody about something stupid. You understand? My? And so as you continue to give, then God is able to have something banked up for you to, through your difficult time. So you may have a stretch of time where you might have to endure and believe God and keep working and keep serving and keep doing this and keep doing it. And you can't come up for a breath for yourself. You know, your little nose is sharp already from the grindstone. And he says, put it on. Let me do the other side. You know, (laughs) pointy nose. And so it's already pointy. And he tells you to flip it over and you got to saw some more excess off. And so when we get in those difficult times, it's a good time to know you got something banked up because you gave when you didn't want to give. You understand me? You forgave when you thought you had a right to stay angry at somebody about something. And so it's a good thing to stay in that place in God of love where you understand the power of his love to get you through the times of your life that are hard to have something stored up for difficult times in your future and just to stay on an even keel with God. You don't want to owe anybody anything except to, we are indebted to love one another. Right. We are. And you can never love one another too much. You can never give too much. So, in Israel God told them that they would have to stay obedient to his word. He said this book of the law cannot depart from your mouth. You can't speak anything but this if you want success. And he says if you want success coming out of your mouth you got to meditate on it day and night. You don't have time to think about the devil. You don't have time to think about these insecure thoughts. You don't have time for all of that. You have time only to meditate on my word. And so when, when he talked about that he told him not to fear. See, Don't fear the battle. Don't fear the enemy. Don't fear any man. Don't fear your bills. Don't fear your responsibilities. Don't be afraid of anything. And he says, if you keep my word inside of you, you won't have time to be afraid of anything. You only have time to to make plans based on my word. And so that's the kind of life he planned for them to live. That's the kind of life he plans for us to live. He doesn't plan for us to have, you know, three days of stupid and then come out again. Because three days of stupid can weaken you to the wiles of the enemy. And so he says, fear God, not the battle, not the enemy, not man. You don't fear anybody because God is with you. And in, in meekness and humility, you receive the power of God. You don't receive it through arrogance and bluffing and, and you know, trying to fight your own battles. You receive it through meekness. So, when, when uh, Jericho fell, it fell because of strict obedience to God's word and strict love of God. You have to remember (coughs) that Joshua had 40 years of training under Moses, but also Joshua obeyed Moses' command. And so it's very important to understand chains of authority, chains of power, how power is transferred, and how to stay under the authority that God has given you so that the power will be there. And so I've seen many times people will start out, uh, you know, following uh, the, the leading of leaders. And when it gets too tough, you know, there's always another place where your gift will be. Quote unquote accepted, but it won't be empowered everywhere. You got me? I'm going to say it again. There are many places where your gift will be accepted, but it won't be empowered everywhere. You got me? You understand the difference now? For instance, I remember a, a young woman that was in the ministry and she. She wanted uh, desperately to have her own ministry. And this is something people started grabbing onto in the 70s and the 80s. When they we began to preach about the believer's ministry, people erroneously thought that meant a pulpit ministry. And so they bypassed the believer's ministry and think it's for a pulpit. And I remember talking to her. And encouraging her, I said, you know, I think if you just stay put and learn to pray and learn to, you know, to minister to people, learn how to. Help people and that kind of thing. I said, God will really start to empower you and anoint you. I said, because he showed me this about this ministry and what he plans to do with people. And she came up one day and she said, well, you know what? I decided to go to and she told me a Bible school. She had to move out of town and so forth and so on. And I knew what she'd get there. She'd get basic Bible education. But she wouldn't get trained and anointed for ministry. And I told her, I said, well, I said, you know, that's fine. I said, but you're still going still to have to anoint you for me. Well, I know this is, you know, because everybody says this is good, hand, but you can see the, um, uh agitation in people and then they're they're craving for something instant and so yeah your gift will be accepted there but will you will it be empowered there and you really have to follow god to find out where your gift will be empowered because not not every time you sit in the atmosphere of teaching do you get much impartation you get knowledge. Your spirit will be built up if you go out and do what you're, you're taught to do. And many times the expectation of that minister and that ministry is not to empower believers. See, if, if I'm teaching you with the understanding, there's something in my mind every time I meet with you to teach you. If my vision of your capability is that you'll be a good church member, you'll be a faithful member, you'll be a good husband, a good wife, get a good job, that's as far as you're going to go. If I don't have the confidence that you can go out empowered and lay hands on the sick and bring your family into Christ, it'll never happen. And so I'm talking about the difference between being accepted and being empowered. It's like night and day. And so if you are not in a place where your gift will be empowered and you need power, you're you're not going to get very much. That's why we get Tens of thousands of people in churches and very little activity against the evil that's out. They, we sit up in our buildings talking about how bad it is everywhere. And nobody ever has the confidence to step out and do anything about it. It's bad news. Bad news. And so you have to make sure you know the difference between acceptance and empowerment. And so if, if you can be like Joshua... Know that you're being empowered as well as accepted in God's community. You'll come out with everything you need because Joshua lacked nothing. It was the transition from him to Moses was flawless. It was seamless because God made provision for his people to continue, for that ministry to continue, for everything to continue and to go to the next level, quote unquote, you know. Another one of our Christian phrases we like. The next level. Whatever that is. Everybody gets excited about what's the next level. I don't know. We're going anyway. You know that. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. We are little Christianese. We get so enthralled over our terms and so forth. So anyway. God tells Joshua to not be afraid of anything. You wonder why that was stressed. Huh? Well look at what happened for the 40 years they were in the wilderness Joshua because he had held on to God's word. Remember he was one of the 12 spies that went over and spied out the promised land and he said let's do it now. A command from God has a time on it and you got to be in sync with the time. He says we can do it. He and Caleb said let's do it now because we're well able to take this. Nothing can stand before us. We're fine. We can do it. Let's do it now. Whereas 10 of them voted no. Well Joshua every year that somebody died that could have gone up and helped him take the land. His faith gets stronger not weaker. The more people he sees die off because they don't have faith, his faith gets stronger, not weaker. And this is what we have to do as believers. We can't let our resolve and what God's told us that we're here to do get weaker the more we see people fade away, drop out, not do what they said they were going to do, not be faithful. You got me? It's got to get stronger. Your resolve because your resolve has to carry you and the next generation of people who are going to obey God. It can't just stop and fizzle out just because people lose heart and, and, and don't want to continue and do what God told tell them to do. So Joshua is equipped by Moses. He, he stays with Moses. He learns. And, and when he looks around, he and Caleb are the only men of his age left. Where they could have all lived. A long time they all could have lived in the promised land. He looks around and only the two of them are left. Well if, if he were just a natural man he'd be feeble. He'd be weak. He'd be afraid. He'd be waiting to die. But what did they say? They said let's go now. Let's, we, they had the same confession they had 40 years ago 40 years later. And that's God. God can do that. There's no reason why people should want to fade away and dissolve as they get older in God. Just because you're older in years, that doesn't mean that God's changed. He's not different. He's still got power. He's still got everything you need. He still has the same mandate on your life. He still wants you to go over and, and receive what he has for you. And so Joshua steps up to the plate. In Joshua chapter six, you see him. God preparing him. I'm sorry. In chapter one, he prepares him for that battle. In Joshua chapter four, God begins to equip him supernaturally for what he needs. So just by obeying the word of God, step. By step, by step, by step. Step one is your conversation. Step two is your equipping. Step three is the evidence that God's with you. When they crossed the Jordan River, Joshua told them, they said the river's going to part open. So he told all the priests to go through and the people went in through after them. The Ark of the Covenant went before them. It was because of God, their love for God, that they obeyed his word line by line. That's how God knows if we love him. If we obey his commandments line by line. You see how important it is for the nation of Israel. How important it is to obey God's word through these these experiences that these early believers had with him. You see how important it is not to deviate from the right or to the left. Deviation meant that something disastrous could happen. And so as long as they stayed straight up. Uh, uh, obedient to God obedience is not a bad word obedience is a good word obedience is a a word that'll keep you it'll cause you to prosper it'll cause you to be productive but more than anything obedience proves your love to God and he's got to see that he's got to see that in some people here and so God's love then carries them through their obedience obedience they know that they've got to do the right thing. They know that they've got to stay under Joshua's authority or they won't make it. And so they cross the Jordan. God causes that water to stand up so they can get through just like it did when they crossed. I'm sorry, they crossed. Yeah, this is um, yeah, the Jordan. Just like it was when they crossed the Red Sea. And God told Joshua, he said, I'm going to begin to magnify you just like I did Moses. In other words God sees no difference between his leaders. We do. We see big. We see little. We see success. We see failure. We see what we think is mediocre. We see what we think is wonderful. But God sees no difference through any of his leaders. And so he plans to establish Joshua as the head of this nation just like he did Moses. That's why he doesn't leave. You'll see in Israel one leader dies and then the other one takes over. They seldom have two of them at the same time because people get confused, <laughs> you know, as to who to follow or they want to compare one another. And so when one leader goes, the other one takes over. He says, "I will show these people just like I did Moses. I'm going to show them that you have the same power with me that Moses did and he was faithful to Joshua as they obeyed him and followed so the first thing they have is a battle at Jericho where it's very important for those people to obey him to the letter God tells them what the plan is they're going to go over (coughs) uh, around that building Seven days one time each day and on the seventh day seven times. Now why does God do that? Well he does things after the counsel of his own will. But God also likes to keep his plans in order. He likes to keep his plans successful. And so if God is able to call the shots at every step in this battle then God is able to control the outcome. What what happens that goes when it goes bad is when people are invited to put their input into things, and it fails. If you think about it, what happened with the the twelve spies? They were allowed to make up their own minds about what they saw. They went over. All they were they were asked to do was to go over and look at that land and make a battle plan. They went over and looked at the land and made a judgment about the people that were there. When God said it doesn't matter what the people look like, how big, how small, anything like that. None of that ever mattered to God. And it shouldn't have mattered to his people. But they began to get... Uh, ideas of their own about what they saw instead of keeping god's word foremost in their thoughts and their minds it doesn't matter how big how many the enemy are how big they are what they do if you will stay with god and look at the success that's that's Uh, prophesied in his word and believe that only you'll get what you believe for but if you allow what the enemy says to to be incorporated into your thinking and then you meditate on that and then you start speaking that then you your success is diminished greatly you know you'll have a struggle or you'll just fail you won't get what you come after and so God made it very plain to them through Joshua that they had to stay with this strict plan of success. There's, I've told you what you need to do in order to take this city, and if you do what I tell you to do, step by step by step by step by step, you will not fail at anything. The first thing Joshua told the people to do was shut up and don't say anything. Don't mouth a word until I tell you what to say. If he had done that forty years ago, that would have saved some people's lives. So he's learned over the years. Every generation that serves God should learn more than the previous generation about how to successfully serve him on this earth. Because the enemy at every generation is, is re reorganizing and restructuring his strategy to combat what you know already. And so every time the enemy regroups and reorganizes, we got to go to God to get the next step of the plan. And so many times people will take the little bit that they know. From the last time and try to stretch it out and make it a lifetime. Well, you can't do that. You've got to find out from God what it is that needs to be done, what it is that needs, and the timing of what needs to be done and when, so that you can have the success that God guarantees. So, God expects us to hold His hand throughout the process. He never expects for us to drop hands with Him or to disconnect from Him or or to run off with our own ideas or to think we know it all and we got we know how to take this thing he never expects that from us he expects us to stay humble to his ways and humble to his words <clears throat> so when when god proves to israel that he's with Joshua that means that these people need to follow him without question you understand me because God had a way for them to get assurances that he was with their leader and that's all they needed to know that God is with the leader and we're going to go ahead and follow him now God would give uh, warnings to the prophets that were in their midst to give counsel to the leaders if something was off if they would inquire but sometimes the enemy is able to sneak in there and pull one over on them like he did at their second battle and so we have to understand that God is in total control of these things and he wants to keep total control if we love him we'll obey him we'll do what he tells us to do When obedience to God sometimes will mean a sacrifice on our part. We won't have to be able to do what we want. Maybe we don't get the results we want as quickly as we think we want them. But we will be able to know that success is coming. I don't care where obedience to God takes you. You need to know that success is coming. You have got to stay with God. You just can't afford to get any bright bright ideas and run off and go somewhere and do something different. But you've got to stay with God in these things, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter what others tell you. <clears throat> success looks like, if in your heart you know it's God for you. You got to stay with it. You got to stay with where God has uh, for us to go and so obeying the command of God is proof of their love and they had success at Jericho that wall fell totally flat because they obeyed the strict instructions of God nobody opened their mouth can you imagine just walking around that 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 city uh everybody gets out and walks around the city one time and then go home Nobody was allowed to discuss what they thought about it. <laughs> you know, think of all the things that happens when you step out and begin to pray for something, and you expect it to come to pass right away. Now, what does your mind tell you? Well, I wonder what went wrong that that didn't happen. I wonder how you know. You know yeah. Nobody was allowed to say any of that stuff. That we consider be normal. You know, just normal to question and normal to try to understand what's going on, etc. They were not allowed to voice anything like that. A a good strategy, spiritual strategy, keeps everything locked into the spirit. Nothing can flow out that's a reaction to what's going on. No flesh is able to get uh, involved in it. You've got to keep everything in the spirit. It takes discipline. It really takes discipline. But if you really want what you want from God, you'll, you'll follow that model. I think it's a good model. In fact, I, I know for myself... If if I need something from God and I find out it's not happening like I thought it was supposed to happen, the first thing I do is think about, well, you know what, I better quit saying so-and-so about this. I better quit wondering about it and I better get myself stronger in the Word because I know the Word is going to cause it to manifest at some point. And so... It's the same thing with them. They weren't allowed to voice any kind of doubt, any kind of concern, any kind of opposition, any kind of fear, any kind of opinion. They just went home and shut up and stayed quiet until the next day it came around that they had to go and march around and do something they didn't understand. You know, you can obey without understanding and without questioning and without wondering. We can all do that. You can do many things for God without the slightest understanding of why it works, how it works, anything. Just stay with it until you see, manifest what God wants to happen. So that will help us in the times when we're wondering why and thinking why. No, I'm not going to wonder. I'm going to get back on the word. I'm going to get back in the word. I'm going to get back meditating on the word and I'm going to get back speaking the word into my situation because this word must come to pass if I stay with it but there is scriptural ground for not confessing anything to the contrary of God's word and it will work for you and it will work and do great things I think sometimes the greater the discipline you and obedience you put yourself under the greater is your reward from God you know many people used to admire Brother Hagen, but very people lived the successful life in God that he lived all of the people that he taught all of those years, very few of them lived up to that standard. Brother Hagen would people would say, "Well, well, brother Hagen, you mean you never been sick a day in your life since God healed you?" Well, I didn't say that. Well, when you get sick, what do you do? See, people are looking for an excuse to go back into the natural realm for what they need. And they would constantly question him in areas like this. Well, when you're sick, what do you do? He said, I take what I preach. He preaches the word of God. He takes the word of God. See, that's somebody who has confidence in God's word that it will work. And his confidence comes by faith. It's not because he's done this a million times and he knows it's going to work. But his experience does give him hope that if he goes back to that same process that got him healed the first time, it will work every symptom he has every everything he has that man if he went to the doctor he got to went to get his health confirmed nobody can tell you if he went when he went and how he went but it's doubtful he spent much time in the doctor's office. Why? Because he had confidence in God. He already knew how he was going to get his. He took the Lord up as his physician. But for real though. And those things are possible. If we don't allow ourselves so much. Well it's normal. To question things. Or it's human to do that. If you let yourself be more God-like and Christ-like than just merely human, you can get the results of what he paid for us to receive. And I'm telling you, your love for God is manifest and uh, proven through your obedience to his word, your respect for his word, your desire to see his word come to pass. He gave us this word as a gift to us, so we wouldn't have to live the kind of life we lived all the time. A life of defeat. A life of wondering and and waiting on things that never came. Because we never knew what we were waiting on. I mean he's given the the word to us as a precious gift and a precious thing. And if we, we love him we will honor the word as such. So Joshua and his people were able to get miracle after miracle after miracle. At Jordan River. Uh, Opened up and they walked across without being threatened. They even set up a monument to to that crossing so that anybody that that went uh, past that place knew that God did a miracle there. Also did a miracle at Jericho. That, That wall fell down totally flat. When they went in as spies, they were able to find someone who gave them good information that they were able to incorporate into a strategy. They obeyed God all the way down the line. They didn't go in there and get scared of the opposition. They went in there. And you know, I think sometimes people take fear in with them instead of taking God's word in with them. Sometimes people get too curious about what's happening in the natural Why I ask God to show me uh, what this place was really like before I go over there and put in my application. Well you probably ask them fear and not faith. Because people who ask in faith don't care about what it's like over there. Why would you care about that? God says he'll perfect what concerns us. If something isn't right, when you get involved in it, you stay there long enough, he'll make it right. So he won't short you on anything that you need as long as you obey his word. Are the rest of y'all awake or y'all with the sleep on me? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I mean I think it's important we understand this. It's not it's not something hypey and fleshy that you can just run off with without thinking about it. But you do need to understand that the more discipline you can build in yourself to obedience to God's word, the greater your reward will be when you use that word and more success you'll have with it. Uh God won't fail you as long as you're trusting in his word. So God even gave Joshua evidence that he was with them in that battle. Remember when he saw the the man there and he thought, he says, are you with us or with our enemies? He said, neither. I'm the captain of the Lord's host. So he saw God's protection coming there and God's help. So God knows when your faith is weakening. He knows when it needs strengthening. He knows when it needs building up. And he ordains these encounters with people or with uh, angels or whoever you need to have with you. He ordains those situations so that you can continue to grow in him. So that you can have uh, um, faith and confidence so your faith doesn't fail. He wants us to be successful. He's not testing us to see if we fail. He's testing us to help us pass. You see, it's not a it's not a test where he expects you to flop out. He expects us to pass. And so when, when God puts us under this kind of discipline, there's a great payoff for us. In uh, uh, disobedience, we see that in chapter 7 with Achan, who was one of the... <coughs> uh, uh, one of the tribes, Judah, was a tribe that was that had a high expectation over that group of people. Their prophecy was one of success, just like they all were. But some of them had flaws to deal with. Judah seemed to have a good prophecy that they would uh, be leaders. In God's worship Um, they would be people that would be looked to for leadership in the house of God that the Messiah would eventually come through that tribe and that was known but Achan decided in in, uh, Joshua chapter 7. It says the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan the son of Carmi the son of Zabdi the son of Zerub the tribe of Judah took of the accursed thing and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So see you have here lack of love for God number one was in his heart because he chose selfishness over obedience to God. He chose what he wanted for him over obedience to God. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethhaven on the east side of Bethel. And spoke to them saying, go up and view the country. And the men went up to view Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said, don't let the people go up because there's not many men up there. There's, there's few. And he says, so... Verse 4, so there went up thither of the, the people about 3,000 men and they fled before the men of Ai. So even though they were fewer in number, the enemy was fewer in number. He wound up turning them around and in, in slaughtering them because God was not with them. See, there was there's a big difference. So when God is with you, you have total victory. When he's not, total defeat. And he says in verse 5, the men of Ai smote them, about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even to cherubim and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So the minute people see defeat, they get discouraged because they were so used to success. Everything was so easy up until now. When things suddenly get hard, when they've been easy, you need to check whether you've been obedient to something. That's pretty, that's pretty obvious, you know. That's pretty obvious. And he says, Joshua tore his clothes. And fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, etc., etc. And Joshua asked the Lord, wherefore have you at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us to the hand of blah, 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 blah. And the Lord... Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies, etc., etc.? So he's whining and crying out, and the Lord answers him and says, Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, etc., 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 Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turn their backs before their enemies because they are accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. And so God is very serious about us putting away sin, iniquity, carnality and putting on the armor of God. See in our covenant we can step from the flesh to the spirit through repentance. It's a simple thing. We don't have to go through all of this that they had to go through everybody's tents check everybody out etc etc. We have an individual covenant with God where we can get our our uh, victory because we decide to obey Him personally. Back in that day, it was a national problem. Today, it's an individual thing. God looks at us individually. There is a time if people won't obey God, He does you know let them go their separate way and what they do if they continue in iniquity they will not prosper in it but God will prosper you if you will return back to him and get rid of what it is that's standing between you and God sometimes it's just impatience Sometimes it's lack of faith because we're upset because God hasn't done something. Sometimes it's, it's just a, a general misunderstanding of how God works and what he wants to do to help us to get where we need to go. Don't be afraid to question what it is that's keeping your promise from manifesting. Many times if God doesn't answer, that means just keep doing what you're doing. You know, sometimes our biggest enemy is our lack of patience with the process. Many times we get ourselves into a situation and we think we have to have the answer now. We think we have to get it done now. And God is showing us that he is patient with us. That he, he knows the day and the time that that answer is going to manifest. And all he has to do is keep us in faith until that happens. It's a good thing to wait It's a good thing to stand in faith for things. It's a good thing because it shows your confidence in God. And it shows your courage to keep believing God. Even though it might be difficult for you to do that. It might be difficult for you to believe. It might be difficult for you to overcome circumstances that are standing there in your way. All of that. But if you'll stay faithful to it. God will prove himself out to you. He'll show you that he'll come for for that thing that he promised you it won't be diminished in any way it'll be a joyful thing People think you have to have everything before your age thirty and then after that before age forty and then after that before age fifty to enjoy it. But you can enjoy life all the days of your life and God knows that. He's teaching us his ways, not just his you know, how to receive his things. And so the children of Israel obeyed God and got rid of the accursed thing so that they can go on from victory to victory in the succeeding battles and so we saw that, that God taught Israel how to stay faithful uh, to his word and how to walk in love how to perfect the love walk how to you want a life that where you can expect God to bless you without hindrance and so we have to obey him without hindrance uh, the same level of obedience you give to God the same level of blessing he will give to you and add more to it Because he delights in seeing us obey him. He delights when we love his word and when we choose his word and his ways over the ways of the world. And so... Power love and a sound mind is what will, will keep us strong uh, in these battles. It'll it'll be something that will keep us uh, from failing and accepting and embracing failure as an option in our lives. There's some things that are just unfinished. Those aren't things you failed at, they're just unfinished and, and God expects us to finish them. Uh, but if you'll stay in, in the Word and you'll stay in his His mind, you'll stay in the spirit of uh, God of God and you'll stay in the mentality of God you will get your victory much of our defeat is self-defeat I can't tell you the times that that are wasted lamenting what wasn't you know what we didn't get the last time or what we what frustrated us and held us up all that kind of stuff so much time is wasted in that realm that could be enjoyed and could be you could be preparing for the next victory uh, if you get out of the stupid valley of decision, you know, where you think you got to just languish there and rehash all your mistakes and rehash all your failures in the past and so forth, and then you'll get ready for battle. Well God says, get up now, you know, don't waste any time. that there's nothing down there for you. And so the decision has already been made by God for our total victory. In everything. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. If there are things that haven't been accomplished yet in your life. Revisit those things in God. Just just make sure you're up to his speed. You know you're on track with where he wants it to be. So that you'll gain the promise. And, And I assure you. That God will respect what you're doing. He will hear you. He will give you your answer. He will encourage you on the way. He has nothing planned for us but success. Praise God. Alright, why don't we stop. Well, Father in Heaven, we thank you for your word and for understanding of your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is holy. It's without blame. It's without flaw. It won't fail, it won't harm, it won't injure. Your word is love and it's life and we thank you for it Lord in Jesus name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and we'll pray for you.